Hello, good day to you wherever you are. My name is Edmund Senanulochu, and it is my utmost pleasure to welcome you back to school and to bring you commercial law. Straight to business. The definition of commercial law. What is commercial law? It is that branch of law that is also known as mercantile law or trade law. It is a body of law that applies to the rights, relations, and conduct of persons and businesses which are engaged in commerce, trade, sales, or merchandising. Now, you realize that I mentioned commerce and trade. The definition of commerce is somewhat similar to the definition of trade. Commerce is the activity of buying and selling but it is especially on a large scale. Trade is also the activity of buying and selling, but denotes more of an activity on a small scale. Now, in Ghana, commercial law is regulated by the Sale of Goods Act 1962, Act 137. Commercial law covers different areas of trade and commerce it covers the the doctrine of agency sale of goods secured financing especially on high purchase insurance banking non-banking transactions that is some of the areas that commercial law covers and in trade commercial law covers negotiable instruments um, trade instruments and contract, electronic commerce, um, tax, taxation and companies, etc. Now, the Sale of Goods Act 1962, Act 137, is one of the, the regulations that we have to have at the back of our mind if we are going to be very good with commercial law. Now, let's go straight to the sale of goods act section one and what it says about um, sale of goods for this section we are going to con concentrate on the sale of goods the sale of goods now section one of the sale of goods act 1962 act 137 it says a contract of sale of goods is a contract whereby the seller agrees to transfer to the buyer the property in goods for a consideration called the price consisting wholly or partly of money that means that for a sale of goods a contract for the sale of goods to be a contract of sale of goods there must be one a seller there must be a buyer there must be a transfer of the property in the goods then there must be a consideration that is given called the price then it must consist wholly or partly of money that means that there must be money involved by all means either it is some money in butter trade or only money and that is what will make it a sale, a contract for the sale of goods. 
now this also this contract of the sale of goods is a contract where all the elements of a valid contract apply now we know the elements of a valid con con contract you must have an intention to create legal relations you must have the capacity to contract and all of those things are they, they, they are valid um, elements of a contract for the sale of goods now the caveat is that for a contract for the sale of goods there because it must consist consists partly or wholly of money it does not necessarily mean that the money must be huge it could be a peswa it could be a peppercorn rate but it's still a contract for the sale of goods now section one two says where by virtue of one or more contracts a person has agreed for value to bail goods to a belie on such terms that the property in the goods will or may at the option of the belie pass to the the belie then for the purposes of this act that person is deemed to have agreed to transfer the property in the goods to the belie and the belor shall be deemed to be the seller and the belie shall be deemed to be the buyer now section two of the sale of goods act 1962 it says two one it says that it it's Capacity to buy and sell is regulated by the general law concerning capacity to contract and to transfer and acquire property. You remember the capacity to, to, uh, to contract. It, it has to do with the age of majority. Then it has to do with whether or not these goods are necessaries. So, section 2.2 says... When necessaries are delivered to a person under an agreement which is void because of that person's incapacity to contract, he shall be bound to pay a reasonable price. Therefore, that means that even if the goods are necessaries, but the person has no capacity to contract, that contract is it, that 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 contract will be void and that person will have to pay a reasonable price therefore that's section 22 now section 23 says that necessaries in this section means goods suitable to the condition in life of the person to whom they are delivered and to his actual requirements at the time of delivery so we have dealt with the capacity now let's look at what the price means. Section 6. It says that section 6 1 says the price in the contract of sale may be fixed by the contract. That means that there has to be a contract that is written, oral, or unwritten by conduct. And then that price, that that the the, the, the price of the goods must be fixed by that contract or it may be left to be fixed in a manner thereby agreed or may be determined by the course of dealing between the parties. Section 6.2 says, where the price is not determined in accordance with the foregoing provisions, that means 6.1, the buyer must pay a reasonable price. What is a reasonable price is a question of fact dependent on the circumstances of each particular case now so if i sell a bag 
to Kofi and we we have signed let's say we we have signed the contract of sale but yet we did not fix the price Kofi must pay me a reasonable price in the eyes of the court and the reasonable price being dependent on the circumstances of that case which bag it is what type of bag it is what brand it is and it is only a question of fact and not a question of law okay so let's backtrack a little bit and and say how that contract to be made i've made allusions to it but section three says that subject to the provisions of this act and subject to any other enactment a contract of sale of goods may be made in writing or by word of mouth or partly in writing and partly by word of mouth or made may be implied from the conduct of the parties that means that the contract of sale of goods must not always be written it could be written and oral or even unwritten and just by the conduct or just oral or just written right now there are different kinds of goods that are um are a subject of a contract of sale now let's define the the kind of goods that could possibly be subject of a contract of sale and then we go on to define what goods generally are now we could have specific and unascertained goods then we could have ascertained goods right now the goods which form the subject so we, let's go to section 5 of the sale of goods act the goods which form the subject of a contract of sale may be either specific goods identified and agreed upon before or at the time when the contract is made or they may be unascertained goods which are not being so identified and agreed upon you get it section 5 the goods which form the subject of a contract of sale may either be specific goods specific goods are they are identified and agreed upon before or at a time when the contract is made or they could be unascertained which are goods that are not have been not being so identified and agreed upon at the time or after the contract at the time of contracting right at the time of contracting those are unascertained goods unascertained at the time of contract or before before or at the time the goods are not identified and agreed upon but for specific goods they are agreed and identified before or at the time that they, they are contracted they could also be ascertained goods in the interpretation section of sale of goods act 1962 section 81 it says that ascertained goods may be goods are goods identified and agreed upon after after a contract of sale is made so note the differences ascertained goods are identified and agreed upon after a sale of goods the contract is made so the same provision section 81 defines what goods are it says goods means movable property of every description and includes growing crops or plants and other things attached to 
or forming parts of the land which are agreed to be severed before sale by or under the contract of sale. So, the definition, although inclusive and broad, nevertheless excludes some movables. The definition in section 81 must be or may be divided into two parts. The first part dealing with movables of a physical nature and the second part dealing with things attached to the land. The definition of goods in the act clearly excludes non-physical things such as such as company shares, which are technically things in action or incorporeal movables, and so are excluded by the plain words of the definition. Similarly, items in the nature of intellectual property such as copyrights, patents, and trademarks are not personal chattels or corporal movables and so fall outside of the definition. They are not part of the definition in section 81. Although of course goods may exist which embody these intellectual property rights. Another point worth highlighting in relation to the definition of goods in section 81 relates to the definition of things attached to or forming part of the land which are agreed to be severed before sale. This second part of the definition calls for a distinction between products of the soil and things attached to or forming part of the soil and interest in land. For example, the sale of quarry dust from a quarry, for example, is not a sale of things attached to or forming part of the, of the land, but a sale of an interest in the land itself. This would mean that the sale of goods will apply to this transaction. Good. Now, there may be secret sale transactions also, and we find that in section 5.3. It says that there may be a sale of goods, the acquisition of which by the seller depends upon a contingency which may or may not happen. So, a contingency, that means a condition, precedent or subsequent, which may or may not happen. And these are also some kind of transactions and we are they are called secret sale transactions now in the contract for the sale of goods there are goods that are being transferred the property in goods is being transferred to somebody but transferring property in the goods you must own title to this property so that you may be able to transfer a valid title to this to the buyer now the 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 act makes an implied undertaking as to title when there's a contract for the sale of goods section 101 says in a contract of sale there's an implied warranty on the part of the seller that he will have a right to sell the goods at the time when the property is to pass now, two, the provisions of subsection one are not affected by any agreement to the contrary, where the goods are of a description which are supplied by the seller in the ordinary course of his business. That means that if you are selling me a car, there's a, the, this sale of goods act implies a warranty that on the seller that he has the right to sell the goods. So I the the bona fide purchaser in good faith cannot thereon be said to have bought something that uh, I'm not supposed to buy. But I there's an so because there's an implied warranty that 
the seller has the right to transfer title to me and has the right to title okay and section 2 section 10 10 2 says that the provisions of subsection 1 are not affected by any agreement to the contrary okay so it means that even if there's an agreement between the two this section 10 1 takes precedence now there are other fundamental obligations of the seller okay the the section 8 1 says that in a sale of specific goods the fundamental obligation of the seller is to deliver those goods to the buyer okay so and H2 says, in a sale of unascertained goods, the fundamental obligation of the seller is to deliver to the buyer goods substantially corresponding to the description or sample by which they were, they were sold. So that means that you have an implied warranty over here or obligation over here that you actually will produce a goods the goods that you have described even though the contract has been signed the goods because they are unascertained they are identified and agreed on after the contract has been signed and so section 8.2 is saying that in the sale of unascertained goods there's a fundamental obligation that you the seller is to deliver the goods substantially corresponding to the description or if it was by sample by the sample by which they were sold now h3 says that any provision in a contract of sale which is inconsistent with or repugnant to the fundamental obligation of the seller is void to the extent of the inconsistency or repugnance so there cannot be any part of that contract you've written that is repugnant to section 8 okay it is sine qua non to that contract Okay, so when does the buyer have the right to reject? Let's go to section 49. 49 says, as subject to the provisions of this act, the buyer is entitled to reject the goods and to refuse to pay, or as the case may be, to recover the price, where A, the seller is guilty of a breach of a fundamental obligation. A fundamental obligation is an obligation that goes to the roots of the contract. Okay, that's A. The seller is guilty of a breach of fundamental obligation. B, the seller is guilty of a breach not being of a trivial nature of a condition of the contract, whether the breach is in respect of all of the goods or subject to sub subsection 2 of of part only or c the buyer has entered into the contract as a result of fraudulent or innocent misrepresentation on the part of the seller then the buyer has a right to reject the goods or to recover price right now we know that fundamental obligations um, go to the root of the contract and so they are conditions that will make this contract valid and so you can repudiate if it's fundamental or if it is a condition then you can repudiate but if it's a warranty then you may ask for damages right so section 49 gives us the provisions as to when the buyer has a right to reject 
But we must know that trivial breaches don't call for repudiation. Okay. If the breaches are trivial, then the fundamental obligations of the buyer and the seller must be, must be performed. But if the breaches are not trivial, they go to the root of the contract, then you can repudiate and recover for price. So whilst talking about this, we have to know that even if the, the, the sale is by description or by sample, the goods must substantially correspond to what the description was. Section 11 says that in a contract for the sale of goods by description, whether or not the sale is by sample as well as by description, there's an implied condition that the goods shall correspond exactly with the description. Section 12 says that in a contract for the sale of goods by sample, whether or not the sale is by description as well as by sample, there's an implied condition that the goods must correspond exactly with the sample. Okay, now you've bought the goods. What are some of the tenets of the provision that um, are relate relates to delivery of the goods to the the buyer? Now, section eight eighty one, the interpretation section defines delivery as voluntary transfer of possession from one person to the other. So the 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 transfer must be voluntary, and it must be the goods are transferred from one person to the to the other now section 18 deals with the means of delivery okay so 18 one says unless otherwise agreed the seller may deliver the goods to the buyer by a transferring to him the actual physical control over the goods that means that you have you've given him control you've given him the bag that you are selling to him that is a that's a means of delivery then b transferring to him the means of obtaining actual physical control over the goods that means that you're giving him a key that this is the house and this makes you take possession of the house that's b then c transferring to him the documents of title to the goods okay then 18.2 says, unless a contrary intention appears, the delivery of the goods to the buyer's agent or his order is a delivery to the buyer. So if I deliver the goods to your agent, it's a delivery. 18.3 says, unless a contrary intention appears, delivery of the goods to career, to a career, pursuant to or consequent upon a contract of sale for transmission to the buyer is a delivery to him. That means that even if you haven't signed a contract of sale and I deliver the goods to your career to bring to you, it is a delivery. 18.4 says that whether goods are in the possession of a third party, they are delivered to the buyer when the, the third party acknowledges to him that he holds the goods on his behalf. All right. Now, section 19 of the Sale of Goods Act 1962, Act 137, says that unless a contrary intention appears, the place of delivery is the seller's place of business. The seller, the one who is selling the thing, his place of business, if he has one, and if not, his residence. So the place of delivery of goods is not the buyer's house or the buyer's place, it's the seller's place of business or his residence provided that in a contract for the sale of sale of specific goods which to the knowledge of the parties when the contract is made are in some other place then subject to any contrary intention that place is a place of delivery then section 20 says that it talks about a dispatch of goods by carrier section 21 says where 
in pursuance of a contract of sale, the seller is authorized or required to send the goods to the buyer by a carrier. There's an implied condition that the seller sh shall make such contract with the carrier on behalf of the buyer, as may be reasonable, reasonable having regard to all the circumstances of the case. So you must, the buyer, the seller makes the contract with the carrier on behalf of the seller. Two, unless otherwise agreed, where goods are sent by the seller to the buyer by a route involving sea or air transit in circumstances which it is usual to ensure, the seller must give such notice, if any, as may be required by the buyer to enable him to ensure them during the sea or air transit. And if the seller fails to do so, the goods shall be at, the, at his risk during such transit. This is the end of week one and two for commercial law thank you very much